0: found a friend, oh, such a friend. I love that hymn, and it's a little bit harder to sing than the other tune that we probably know a little better, but sometimes these hymnals will trick you, and they'll put a different tune in there, <laughs> and, and uh, so I messed up on that. Sorry, that was a little, little different. Well, we're going to look today for our scripture reading to, in Luke, to Luke chapter 14, And I'm going to ask you to look with me at verses 12 through 24 for our scripture reading. Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. We always remember when we take our Bibles that this is God's Word. This is what He's given us to know Him by. This is His... uh, We talk about it being infallible, which means incapable of error. We talk about it being inerrant, you know, so we use both words, without error and incapable of error. So that's a wonderful thing to know that God has spoken to us using human authors and has given us His Word, exactly what He wanted us to have, and there is great care in this. So we read it carefully. So I'm gonna be reading beginning at verse 12 and read through verse 24 of Luke 14. And he also went on to say to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. Otherwise, they also may invite you in return and that will be your repayment. But when you give a reception, Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, A man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And the dinner hour, at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I've bought a piece of land, and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I've married a wife. And for that reason, I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to the master. Then the head of the household became angry. And he said to his slave, go out at once into the streets and to the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the, the slave said, well, master, what you've commanded has been done and there's still room. And the master said to the slave, go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. For I tell you that none of those who were invited shall taste of my dinner. This is God's word. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer together. Father, we thank you that this morning we can come again and look at your scriptures and Look at what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees and to the people at the banquet that he went to. We thank you that your kingdom is so important that you told us about it over and over again. Jesus told us about so many aspects of the kingdom. We pray that you will open our hearts and open our minds, open our ability to listen and pay attention and give us that grace that we need. We thank you that Though the things that we say may fall to the ground, the things that you say will last forever. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God, which is the focus of our text this morning, when Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God, you know, everybody around him was listening. Everybody around him was paying close attention because the kingdom of God brought to their minds all of these wonderful concepts that they had had heard about all of their lives. The kingdom of God was that time when there was going to be wonderful peace. It was going to be a time when there would be justice and abundance. It was going to be a time when God was going to bring an end to all conflict where the lion was gonna lie down with the lamb. And you know, it says where the, the uh, weapons of war would be beaten into farm implements. Every tear would be wiped away. We hear Jesus talking about the final day of judgment when every wrong would be made right. When there would be no foreign powers oppressing them. And you know, they got really excited about that, as we can imagine people would in that situation. The kingdom would be one of perfect righteousness. Evil would be destroyed. The kingdoms of this world would be handed over to the true king and there would be this great banquet. There would be this banquet of the finest foods and the, and the, the most wonderful wine when there would be this tremendous banquet celebration. He even talks about the, the marriage supper of the lamb. We see that um, we see that terminology used in Scripture, and we, we see all these wonderful things. Jesus said people are going to come from the east and the west and the north and the south to come with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they're going to be gathered together with all the prophets in the kingdom of God. And it would be a time of rejoicing, joy, and abundance. And at the Last Supper, Jesus said, I'll not drink this wine again until with you I drink it that day when it is new with you in the kingdom of my father. Though that imagery is powerful, isn't it? You can imagine how wonderful it sounded to the people who were there. And if you think about it, how wonderful it sounds to our ears because all of those things we look forward to when there's gonna be this time of final shalom, peace, abundance, joy, welcome, Forgiveness, tears wiped away, uh, you know, we, we've had since, what, February 24th, a war going on in the Ukraine, and we've watched that war, and, and can you imagine how the Ukrainians think about the end of the war, when hopefully they'll have their country back, and when the Russians won't be bombing their bridges and destroying the power grid and all of those things that are going on right now that happen when people are murdered and die in war. Won't it be wonderful when those things cease? And you can imagine then how those people thought and how they felt, how they were anticipating the kingdom of God coming and peace reigning and joy coming and no more oppression and no more heartache and no more tears and no more suffering the people suffered under that message many of them were suffering you can imagine what their life was like under the romans to have your country you know where the romans were controlling things and popping up putting up uh puppet rulers and doing things that they would do, what it felt like for those soldiers to walk down their streets and to be in their country and to take over things. Maybe people were different and were living under a different kind of bondage or oppression. Maybe it was like the Pharisees and they were worried about how many laws they had kept that day and had they kept the law perfectly and were they living uh, a life that was gonna earn them a place in heaven. The question that kept coming to their minds was, who is this kingdom for? Is it for me? Will I have a place in the kingdom? And you see, we need to ask the same thing, don't we? We need to think about that. Am I going to be in the kingdom? Is the kingdom of God for me? You know, I grew up in a Christian home, and I grew up with a mom and dad who took me to church every Sunday, my brothers, my sister, and and myself, and we all went to church. We all... Um, participated in youth group. We, we did Bible school. We did all kinds of things when I was growing up in church. And yet, I remember as a young teenager, I'm, I remember thinking, am, am I really in the faith? Am I really in the kingdom? Am I really forgiven of my sins? Do I really have eternal life? You know, you wonder, well, the Lord Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. He talked about who could enter it. He talked about who wouldn't come to the kingdom. And he talks about it in these parables that he's telling us in this 14th chapter of Luke. So I want to look at some of them today with you. In chapter, Luke, in chapter 14 of Luke, Jesus is talking about the kingdom and who can enter. He talks about who the kingdom is for. And the first truth that he gives us is, he says... The kingdom is for the humble the kingdom is for the humble the kingdom is for those who humble themselves Jesus had said before unless you become like little children you won't enter the kingdom you remember how he said that to the crowds that were following unless you come like little children you won't be able to enter the kingdom of God Peter later wrote in his epistle let everyone be clothed with humility because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We see this message over and over again in the the scriptures, don't we? God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. If you have your Bibles open to Luke 14, if you look back at verses 7 through 11, you notice the parable that Jesus told here. And it says, Jesus was watching the people He was watching the guests who came to the great dinner at the home of this prominent Pharisee. And he watched all the guests as they came in. And and you know, it says the host, he threw this big party. He invited all these guests to come. And he probably invited a whole lot of people like himself, didn't he? I mean, if you're a Pharisee, you're not going to go out there and invite the Sadducees. You're gonna invite all the Pharisees that you know, the guys that are like you, the people that are like you. So he would have invited all of those people. But he probably would have invited like we do when we have, you know, a, you know maybe a great big party, somebody has a great big party and what they do, they invite all kinds of interesting people. They want interesting people to come and it's kinda of like, kind of like the late night talk shows. You know, who do they invite? They invite all the interesting people, don't they? They invite politicians, they invite entrepreneurs, they invite uh, political leaders, they invite uh, wealthy business ones, movie stars. You know, they, they invite all these people, powerful people, maybe writers or artists or, or authors. Well, Jesus watched the people who were invited to the banquet and he watched how they picked their places. And he said he said to them after he watched the, the places that they picked, because, you know, they were all jockeying for position. You know, have, have you ever, and here it is, if you go to a big wedding, you know, the wedding party sits all at the front tables, don't they? And, and, you know, you'll have the groom's parents, and you'll have the bride's parents, and then you'll have the the groomsmen and the bridesmaids, and you'll have all of them up at those front tables. And at this great banquet that Jesus went to on this day, there were all these people and they're all jockeying for position. Who's gonna get to be as close to the host as possible? Who's gonna have the best seats? You know, because when you had the best seats, everybody came up and they said, oh, look at Fred over there. He's sitting at the head table. He must really be something. He must be a close friend of our host. Well, Jesus watched what they did, and then what did Jesus say to them? Jesus said, when you're invited to a banquet, don't take the prominent place at the head table. He said, because here's what's going to happen. Because if you take that seat at the head table, somebody's going to come in who's probably more important or well-known or carries more weight in the community and they're going to come in and the host is going to come in with them. And he's going to say to you, Hey, would you give up your place and let this man sit where you're sitting or let this woman sit where you're sitting? And he says, what will happen to you is you'll have to get up and walk all the way back because all this tables, all this tables are full and you'll have to go all the way to the very back and to sit with all the uncool people, you know, the people that can't sit up front. So he says the result is going to be that if you take a place at the head table, then you're going to end up being embarrassed, and you're going to have to go sit at the table in the back, and you're going to be treated as somebody of less importance, whereas what you ought to do is go sit in the back. And when the host comes in and he sees you sitting in the back, he'll say, all right, come on, you can move on to the front. You shouldn't be back here. Come up front and sit with us. And if you do that, you'll be honored by the host in front of everyone in the room. So everyone who exalts himself, Jesus says, will be humbled. And everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. This is what Jesus is talking about when he's talking in the context of the kingdom He's talking about how people chose where they were going to sit. So the question is, for whom is the kingdom? The kingdom is for the humble. It's for the people that put themselves, put others first. The kingdom is for those who humble themselves and who are humbling themselves spiritually. Because you see, a person who humbles himself spiritually looks at his own life like we did just a few moments ago in this service. And we said, Lord, we know that we've fallen. We know that we've let you down. We know that we've sinned against you. We know that we hadn't lived up to your standards. We know that we've said words that we shouldn't say. We know that we've thought things about others that we shouldn't think. We know that we've been judgmental. We know that we've been quick to condemn people. We confessed our sins. We came in here today to humble ourselves before God, to confess our sins, and to say to God, God, I know I don't deserve anything, but you've given me the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, your love, and you've given us the communion and fellowship of God the Holy Spirit. You've given us everything we have, salvation, life, joy, a future. You've given all of this to us, and we don't deserve anything. You see, the person that's humble, Jesus is talking about someone who humbles himself spiritually, somebody who puts himself and realizes that he is needy and he needs most of all the grace of God. Now, when, when you think about this, you think that the good news that Jesus was preaching was about the kingdom of God and that it was for all who repent of their sins and trust in Him. Remember, that's what Jesus came preaching. He says, repent of your sins and believe the gospel. John the Baptist said, repent of your sins and believe the one that's following me, that's coming after me, the great Messiah who's coming after me. Now, the Pharisees made up the majority of the crowd, didn't they? Because we've already seen back in verse 7 that, uh, or the first verse of the chapter in verse 1, he says that it was a leader of the Pharisees that threw this party. So he's invited a whole lot of people like him. So the Pharisees who made up the majority of the gift of the guests were all proud people. Think about Paul before his conversion. He was proud of what he had done. He says, up to this point, I've lived my life perfectly. You know, that's how he felt. He even kind of used that in his testimony in the book of Acts. The Apostle Paul was a great Pharisee. He was one that uh, had made it his whole life's ambition to keep the law perfectly and not to sin against God. They were proud because they kept the law. They were proud because they kept the Sabbath. They were proud because they tithed on everything they got. They were proud that they prayed often, more often than anybody else in their culture. They were proud that they weren't like the Pharisees or they weren't like the Sadducees who didn't believe in angels or the resurrection or life after the dead. You see, they looked down on other people. They were so proud. They were up here and they were looking down and they they looked down and they said, no, look at these people. They don't believe like we do. They don't live like we do. They don't do anything like we do. So we are the people up here, and if anybody deserves to go to heaven, if anybody's going to get here, you know, you've heard people say that, if anybody ever got to heaven, it was that person. We hear that at funerals. Well, you see, the Pharisees thought like that. They said, boy, we're the ones that deserve to go to the kingdom of God. When Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God, they got excited. They said, yeah, the kingdom of God, that's for us we're the ones that are going to go. You remember the rich young ruler? You remember how Jesus dealt with that guy? Uh, that young man comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, I've been a follower of the law since I was a child. What do I still lack? I don't have the conviction that, I'm, that I've done enough. So what do I lack? What do I need to do yet? And Jesus looked at him and said, the one thing you lack is getting rid of that idol in your heart, that love of money that you have in your life. If you'll go sell everything that you have and give it away to the poor and come follow me, you'll have life. And we know what happened to the rich young ruler. He didn't want to do it because he didn't want to get rid of that, which was really the center of his life. Jesus got to the rich young ruler's main problem and Jesus was doing the same thing with the Pharisees. They were so filled with pride that they thought that they'd achieved a place in the kingdom of God by their own efforts. And in fact, there's a guy that speaks up at this point and he he makes that that point. Uh, I think it's in in, uh, verse 15. When one of those who was reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, that's the guy that, who has missed the whole point. This guy's missed the whole point of what Jesus has been saying. Jesus said, the humble are going to enter the kingdom of God. Those that humble themselves down before God, those that repent of their sins, those that turn away from them, and those that believe in the gospel, those are the ones that are the humble spiritual people. And this guy says, Yeah, but you talk about eating bread in the kingdom on the last day and we're going to be repaid at the resurrection on the last day. And that's for all of us because, Lord, we've lived righteous lives all of our life. We've lived outwardly so well. We've kept the Sabbath. We've tithed. We've given. We've done all this. How wonderful it will be when the truly righteous people get to heaven because we're going to all be together. It's like, yeah, all of us. We're the righteous people, we're gonna be there. Well, Jesus immediately starts the parable of the great banquet. He said, I wanna tell you about this guy that had a banquet and invited all these people to come. Now, we shouldn't laugh at the guy that spoke up and missed the whole point. Because the truth is that so often in our culture, and many of us have done it too, Is we've missed the whole point of what Jesus was saying because you know we've believed just like this guy that getting to heaven is the result of me living a really good life in other words most people grow up thinking well when I played football I played enough to get a letter for my jacket when I studied really hard I got good grades When I worked really hard at work, I got a raise. So if I work hard, then I get the benefits. If I work hard, I get the reward. And so what we think about eternal life is if I live a really good life and I don't hurt my neighbor and I don't criticize people and I accept everybody for who they are. And I don't get mad and throw things at people and I don't cheat on my taxes or on my spouse. If I do all those things, I'm going to go to heaven. That's what most of America believes. And probably you believed it. I believed it when I was a kid. I believed that being good was the way to get to heaven. Well, but that's not what Jesus is saying, is it? You know, Jesus is is going to correct this whole thing because he's saying those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who humble themselves spiritually, confess their sins and acknowledge that they need a Savior. Those who come to me for life, you know, we we said last week when when Jesus stood up on that great day of the feast, he said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Eating and drinking were that symbol of believing. If anyone is hungry and thirsty spiritually, let him come to me and believe in me and rest his hope in me, and put his hope in a righteousness that I'm going to give him, not in a righteousness that we're going to earn. Jesus was teaching that the kingdom is those for those who've humbled themselves spiritually. Like, you remember the, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, Blessed are those who are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of God is theirs. They've humbled themselves in their spirit. They've confessed their own need. They've come to me. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled, they shall be satisfied. You see, Jesus is saying that those people are going to be blessed who acknowledge their own sin and their spiritual poverty and the fact that they can't make it on their own good behavior, on their own background, on anything they've ever done. Because remember what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 3. He quotes this long section from the Psalms and he says, remember what we know about ourselves that there is none righteous no not even one there's not anyone who seeks for God there's not anyone who does good with their tongues they desire uh, with their tongues they deceive with their lips they curse others with their feet they're quick to shed blood the truth of the kingdom is that we're all sinful If we didn't actually kill somebody, we've hated people in our hearts before. Jesus says, that's murder. We we must admit and humble ourselves before God and repent of our sins and receive Jesus as the savior who is the one who is able to make us righteous. You know what other truth Jesus taught in in this passage about the kingdom? Jesus was showing that some of those who were so proud, those who were proud and unbelieving were the ones that weren't going to come into the kingdom. The reason they weren't going to come into the kingdom because they didn't want to have anything to do with the kingdom. You know, Jesus says in this parable, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And you know how it worked in those days. What you did was, you said, I'm going to have a great banquet, and I want you all to come to be part of this. I want the whole community to come, but it's going to take me a while to get this banquet ready. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get all the food. You know, when I was, uh, when I was working with West African church leaders, what, what we would do was they would have a meal after worship, but it wouldn't be all prepared. On the Sunday morning that we would go down, they would go get an animal. And I remember seeing the animal tied to the top of one of the vans. And they would bring the animal in, then they would kill it, and they would cook it. So we'd have the worship service, and then we'd wait for about three hours. And in the middle of the afternoon, on Sunday afternoon, after we'd waited under the trees for about three or four hours, then the meal would be served. And then it would be ready. And then everyone would be called around to the tables. And then we would all eat. You see, what they did first was they made preparations for the meal. They got people to say, yes, I'll come. Then they made preparations for the meal. Then they cooked the food. And then when it all got ready, they would send a representative all around through the village and say, okay, now come. Because the banquet's ready. You can come now. You can eat. You can enjoy, and we're going to be happy together. But you know what? Those people who accepted and said, yeah, we'll come, they all turned him down. The representative came through the village and said, we're all going to eat. Come now, the banquet's ready. And they said, "Uh, we can't come. I can't come today. Well, you know, I bought some land, and I've got to go look at it. And another one went to him, and he said, oh, I, I can't come because I bought some uh, farm animals and I have to go check them out. And then this other one says, no, I've just gotten married, I, I can't come. In other words, they all had excuses. They all made excuses and said they, they couldn't come. They'd accepted before, but now they don't, they don't want any of it. Because you see, you know what their problem was? The problem was they didn't want to come. The problem was they thought they were better than the people at that banquet. Like most of those Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees said, if anybody gets to be in the kingdom, it's going to be all us. Because we believe the right things. Because we've, we've tithed, we've given, we've worked, we've achieved our righteous standards. So we're going to be there. Everybody else is going to be left out. These guys are saying to themselves, I don't want to go to that guy's banquet. I feel better than them. You know, um, they made flimsy excuses, didn't they? They made flimsy excuses because they didn't like the people who'd be there. So think about this illustration that Jesus is using. Jesus says the proud don't want to go to the gospel of the kingdom. And you know why? You know why people don't want the gospel today? A lot of the people that you may talk to, they may give you an excuse, like, What about the heathen in Africa? Or, What about my brother in law who went to church and then left his wife and did all this? And they've got all kinds of excuses. No, I can't go. I don't want to go to church. They all have excuses. And, and we've used those excuses. I'm not going to say they. I'm going to say we've all had excuses at times that we didn't want to do what God said. We didn't want to go to church. We didn't want to be a part of the body. Because the proud don't want the gospel. Because what does the gospel say about us? In order to understand the gospel, what do we have to admit? We have to admit we're sinners. We have to admit we're fallen. We have to admit that there's no good in us. That the only thing is... Uh, in us is now once we've believed and received Christ is that we have a new nature before we just have that old nature that loves sin and loves the ways to rebel against God you know in order to join the church in order to be part of a church you have to admit that you're a failure you have to say I've let God down I've let my friends down I've done this I've said things I have thought things i'm i'm not the person we have to admit that we're sinful if you accept us the invitation to the kingdom you have to admit that our sins are so grave and serious that the son of god had to die for our sins he had to die a horrible death on the cross to pay for our sins that's what you have to admit about yourself if you receive the gospel of the kingdom that we're so bad that God's son had to die for our sins. And how many people want to admit that? How many people that are on Jay Leno, Johnny Carson, and, you know, all the late night people? How many people up there want to say that about themselves? How many of us really want to admit our own sins and fallenness and our own weaknesses, the, the ways that we've let God down you see in order to come into the kingdom you have to admit that there's only one entrance and that is through faith in Jesus Christ through getting the righteousness of someone else the righteousness of a righteous savior Well the lord of the banquet when he heard that people weren't going to come he said okay I get it we're going I want you then to go out into the cities I want you to go out into the city I want you to go out to the alleys. I want you to bring people off the streets. I want you to go people, I want you to go get the marginalized. I want you to go get the poor. I want you to go to get the crippled. I want you to get the lime, the lame, the blind. I want you to get all of these people. I want you to get people that nobody else wants. I want you to bring them in. And then they said, Lord, what you've asked has already been done. He said, okay, then go out into the countryside and get the people that live in the sticks Get the people that are out on the farms. Get the people that are way in the, in the country roads. Go grab everyone because I want, my, I want my banquet to be full. Bring in all the people who live in places, all the people who know that they're not the, the leaders of society. They're not the ones that get invited to the late night talk shows. They're not the ones that get invited to Oprah Winfrey's house for a banquet. They're the poor, the marginalized, the ones that suffer, the ones that don't have anything that the culture wants. All of those people are anxious to come into the kingdom because they know their sins and their weaknesses and flaws, and they admit them, and they're coming into the kingdom because they're humbling themselves. Remember how Jesus said to the religious leaders? He says, the tax collectors, which were the lowest of the low, And the prostitutes are going to get into kingdom before you guys because he knew they wouldn't acknowledge themselves, their sins, whereas the tax collectors and the prostitutes saw their sins and they knew them and they would acknowledge them. And they were glad to hear Jesus and they were glad to come into his kingdom. The proud don't want to come because they don't want their lives disrupted either. You know, if you become a Christian, or if you're a Christian already, you know that the Lord is going to guide you to do things and lead you to places that you're uncomfortable with. If he hadn't led you to any place uncomfortable, I'd be real surprised. Maybe it's starting a church. Maybe it's moving to a new town. Maybe it's taking a different job. Maybe it's being witness, a witness in a workplace that's hard. There are all kinds of uncomfortable things that the Lord leads us to that we wouldn't pick. And you know, these proud people that got invited to the banquet, they said, we don't want our lives disrupted. I want to go look at the land I bought. I want to go look at these animals that I bought for my farm. Or i I'm gotten married, you know, I don't have time to go to church. I've got other things more important to do. Leave me alone. They don't want their lives disrupted. But I'll tell you what. If Jesus is, has, if you've said, yes, I want to be part of the kingdom, then realize that He's the Lord, He's the boss. He's the one that's going to determine your schedule, where you live, where you move, where you work. Jesus is the one who directs us whom to see, whom to know, whom to be friends with, leads us to welcome people that the world doesn't want. If there's one thing about following Jesus we know is that we serve a risen Savior and He directs the way we are to go. When you go to work for the President of the United States, you know what you, what you understand implicitly? You say this, I serve at the pleasure of the President. And when he gets tired of you, you're fired. I serve at the pleasure of the President. But you know, when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you serve. At the, pre- at the pleasure of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You serve Him, and He's going to give you things to do because, you see, He humbled Himself first. Jesus is not telling us to do something He hasn't done, and He's done it in a greater degree than we can ever understand because He humbled Himself by leaving heaven, leaving the glory of heaven to come down to earth for us. He came to live in humility as one of us. He placed Himself in a sinful world where He'd have to suffer in that sinful world. And He learned submission from the things that, in the ways that He obeyed His Father. And He gave up everything to carry out the Father's will to save us. You see, He humbled Himself to the point of death on the cross. And now His name has been exalted see he's humbled himself and now his name's exalted his name is greater than any name of anyone else there's no name under heaven given by which we may be saved but the lord jesus christ every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father the wonder of the gospel who's the kingdom for The kingdom is for those who humble themselves, who repent of their sins, who trust in Jesus as their righteous sacrifice. The one, all of us who trust in the perfect work of another for our sakes that he would humble himself even to death so that we could live because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that You sent Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. That He was the one that was the payment for our sin. That He came to die in our place so that we could live now and live forever. We thank You that we have life and abundant life because of Jesus. We thank You that we know that all who are in Christ have a place in the kingdom. And Father, You've chosen those places and you prepared a place for us so that we can come and we can be with you, and you're going to come get us one day, and we're going to come and be with you forever. We thank you for all of the grace and mercy and peace that you've shown us, and we pray that the message of the gospel of the kingdom will penetrate every sector of our society. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, you know, when we come to communion, it's a perfect time for us to remember our humility isn't it the humbleness that we humble ourselves before god because you know when we come to communion we're reminded that a savior had to die for us that the that the king of glory had to come and to die for us and to take our place on the cross